afternoon and welcome to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. I'm program host Kip Allen. Let's Talk's the program for, well, the Christian layman, you know, the Lutheran who believes but has questions. In short, well, the program's designed for someone like me. There's a lot I don't understand. It doesn't have to be soul-shaking. It might just be something that's been in the back of my mind I've been curious about for a while. And rather than getting into a deep theological discussion, I find that sometimes a casual front porch-style talk with the pastors, the best way to understanding. That's what this program's all about. Today's guest is Pastor Andrew Preuss of St. Paul and Trinity Lutheran Churches in Iowa. I have my questions. I'm sure you have yours. So you can send your questions in by email anytime at letstalk at kfuo.org or call in during the program. If you're in the St. Louis area, including Metro East, call us at area code 314-8210-850 or anywhere in North America, toll free at 800-730-2727. Pastor Preuss, welcome to the porch. Yeah, thanks. Good to be back. Well, glad to have you back, Pastor. You know, a lot's been going on lately. A lot of things on my mind. I'm sure a lot on yours. Uh, what's been going on up in your uh, in your parishes? Um, well, let's see. Well, we just had a. I just got back from vacation a couple weeks ago, and we had a we had a family. So this this summer, the last two summers, we have a really really small parish, um, and uh, you know the families. We got these young families, and they're growing. They're growing, growing families. Thank God, but. You know they're little, they're little kids, and so uh, you know with Vacation Bible School we really haven't had one the last two summers. But this summer I decided to do something a little different, and I did a family Bible school. Yeah. And we met, we met at the park uh, every night for four four nights, and uh, all it was the families all came together, and so the the concept was that the, the parents would learn with the children and that you know teach the children in a simple way in front of the parents and then and then the the children would see their parents learning and be encouraged uh, that they that this isn't just for little kids that they outgrow you know when they get older and uh, then the kids went and played by themselves and uh, then I just talked to the parents about devotions at home and and the roles of uh, of the of the parents of, of mother and father and husband and wife and it was great it really we sang hymns together and went through the catechism and I think it's it went well, so so that was kind of that took up uh, about a week, and then this past week it's just been kind of going back to normal with stuff. So getting ready for the school year to start. <laughs> well, that's a really great idea. You know, it's we don't want kids just to hear about God at Sunday school on Sundays. You know, we need to teach them at home as well. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Yeah, that's why. And you know, it's interesting. I <clears throat> there's this book called Already Gone. It was published about ten years ago. Okay. Um, it, it, I think I think it was written by, or at least co-authored by um, that guy from Answers in Genesis, uh, Ken Ham. Oh, Ken Ham, yeah. And uh, and and it, it's a really interesting book. It doesn't really draw any conclusions. It just gives statistics about, um, you know, the 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 uh, retaining rate of children when they grow up. And uh, one of one of the statistics was that. Statistically, obviously, you know, there's you can draw different conclusions here, but statistically, that children who go to Sunday school, children who the kids who are most likely statistically to continue to go to church were the kids who didn't go to Sunday school but went to church every Sunday, and uh, that's I find that very interesting. And I think that the uh, I mean that's not to say that if you go to Sunday school that 
going to make you less likely to keep going to church. I mean, that's, I, I wouldn't agree with that. But one way to explain it would be that a lot of the kids that go to Sunday school are not being taught at home, that uh, maybe their parents drop them off at, church, at Sunday school and pick them up before church. And, and so there's kind of, you know, these things that the church has instituted for the sake of teaching children um, can often be taken as sort of a replacement for where where God actually has instituted it. You know, like, you know, you have in, in Deuteronomy, for example, it says, talk about this stuff with your children at home, you know, or Ephesians 6, you know, fathers teach your children. And uh, that's, uh, so that's what, that's what this, this was kind of designed for, so the kids could still get together and have a good time and, and get to know the kids and learn together, but the parents are there too, and that they're, um, so that they can be encouraged in their own home life. Oh, I think it's vital. I, I was reading a, a study just recently had been uh, concluded uh, following uh, the habits of college men, you know, people who mm. go into into college, and found that the uh, those the men who had some had religious beliefs and re- religious training were much more better, uh, dare I say, better behaved. They are the, uh, the least likely ones to be sexually aggressive against women or to abuse alcohol. And, you know, it's part of it is because of their upbringing and they, they have a, a firm moral stance and, and, and belief. Yeah. Uh, another part of it is that they uh, they consume less alcohol than other, uh, other students. And finally, you know, it's peer groups. You know, they seek out people who are like them, who also share yeah. those same beliefs. Yeah, no, that makes sense. It does. So I mean, and that's I mean, obviously, we talk about as uh, as Christians, you know, as Lutherans, we want to emphasize that it's not just about the moral uh, value. You know, uh, our religion is not just about morality; it's it's primarily about salvation in Christ. But with that said, it's also true and important that when you're going to church, when you're hanging out with people who are Christians who also believe what you believe and can, and even some who might not totally agree with everything, at least you are having healthy conversations with them, discussions, and even debates, that is going to, um, that's going to deter you from being in bad company where people are just talking about vain things and, uh, and you know, um, yeah, so that, yeah, that makes sense. And that's, uh, that's something we shouldn't forget that. No, no, it's it's something that should remain with us throughout our lives, and you know it's mm-hmm. so easy to fall away from it, you know, especially at that age. And uh, I'm I'm very encouraged that we have, uh, for example, a ministry to uh, to the colleges. Uh, you know, that pastor. Uh, oh, I just drew a blank on his name. <laughs> I see him every off every so often. Uh, oh yeah, my brother Mark's predecessor. That's it. That's yeah, it. Yeah. 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 And, um, they're, they're very active in that. You know, we have the LCMSU type thing, and uh, yeah. and it's it's there are various Lutheran groups in colleges. Mm-hmm. I wish they had been more active when I was in college. Uh, we only had uh, we had one uh, professor there. Actually, it was a uh, he was uh, one of the athletic directors uh, who was a Lutheran, and he would okay. try he would try to get the Lutheran students together and go to the local church. But unfortunately, I disliked the guy so personally. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that, that really didn't work. <laughs> well, and maybe, I don't know, maybe when you were in school, I mean, obviously, you, I mean, the, the universities have been 
going in the direction of secularism and uh, very much hostile to Christianity for a long time. But when I was in school, you know, there, there's really that, I think it's been hitting a tipping point, especially in the last 10 years. And so, I mean, I graduated about 10 years ago from, from college. And, uh, and so, you know, the, the, uh, when I was there, it was, you really had to band together. And, uh, I mean, you'd find, you know, I was friends with other Christians, but it was especially the, these, uh, the Lutherans who I went to church with. And, uh, but we had, we had a church that was about five blocks away or so. And, um, the pastor would come every Monday night and have a, a Bible study with us. And we would go through, I, th- I remember going through the large catechism with them. And, and it was just a great, it, it really creates a band of brothers to, uh, to withstand together the temptations of, of the world, especially in that crucial time in college. Yeah. Now, we didn't have that, unfortunately, when I was in. Uh, of course, we didn't have quite the hostility to religion yeah, back sure. then okay. that we do. That's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah, because you probably had a lot more Christians. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Or or even observe, you know, some of my friends uh, at the school, for example, were observing Jews as well. Uh, okay. but the idea being that they were they people of faith. They believed in in, in, in something. You know, I'm yeah, sad that they didn't sure. accept Christ, but you... Yeah. Well, it's funny. I actually had an atheist friend in, uh, in college, and he would come over, and, you know, we were... All my other friends were basically Lutherans who went to school went to church with me except for a few um were some other denomination and uh but this atheist friend he was he was pro-life he was uh he was uh he basically agreed with us on um at least social moral morality and uh and he would even go to bat um in class and argue with the leftists and but yet he was an, i couldn't figure out he's an atheist <laughs> um so i hope and pray that he has found Christ since. I haven't talked to him since I graduated, so. Yeah, I got a, uh, I have a cousin who's an atheist, and, uh, uh, we've argued back and forth. You know, I said, well, well, you know, where would morality be? Where would our teachings be without Christianity? He said, well, well, we have these other philosophers. Said, yeah, and guess what? They're all based on Christianity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they're all building on the foundation. I mean, even like uh, there's this uh, John, uh, what's his name? Well, I mean, most of them really, but the, the, this guy, Immanuel Kant, is one that I probably, I probably read him the most um, when I was in like, college and seminary. And you could tell with his whole moral philosophy that he was raised Lutheran. But what he's done is he's basically replaced, he's just taken God out of the equation. But his whole theory of, you know, his whole, his whole groundwork is clearly from his Christian background. So. Well, but you know, talk about, you know, foundation made of clay. That's without, without the basic understanding of God. You know, there's really no concept of morality. I and mean, they have a concept, but it it falters. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Well, one of the things, you know, especially in college that I really enjoyed uh, was were the, the late night bowl sessions where the guys would get together and probably be a little bit buzzed from too much uh, adult beverage, <clears throat> as we sometimes did. Uh, but some of the discussions were really pretty interesting. And, and oftentimes, you know, they'd even go into theological issues as well. And that's one of the things I really enjoy about this program, and actually just about working at the IC, is some, there's some of the most fascinating discussions come up 
and some mm-hmm. and some topics. Uh, and speaking of which, there is one that I wanted to raise with you. Uh, I don't know if this is a serious situation or not, but angels. <laughs> what are angels? Are there different kinds? You hear about cherubim and seraphim. There's the archangels. And what are they? What are these creatures? Yeah, well, they're... Uh... The word angel um, comes from the Greek, angelos, and uh, the Hebrew, uh, you know, would be uh, balak, and uh, and they both mean messenger. And uh, so angels are messengers. <clears throat> well, they're also, uh, they're, they also, what they do is they serve God, and they serve God's people. Um, they, they're also referred to as ministers um, in Psalm 103, when it says, you know, you ministers who serve the Lord, praise the Lord. Um, and, uh, and so we all, the scriptures might even also call them spirits. And of course there are good ones and there are bad ones. Um, we call the bad ones demons often. And, uh, and so the, but their, their purpose is to serve God. And the primary way that they serve God is by protecting those whom, those who are in God's care. And, uh, and so, I mean, you, you look at, uh, and now as far as the, the different kinds of angels, the scriptures, uh, indicate that there are different ranks. We don't know exactly, uh, what those ranks are, but we do know that there are different ranks. Uh, the scriptures speak of, um, of, uh, you know, the archangels, um, and even there's debate on whether archangels is more of a, a singular thing and that the only archangel is Christ. But that's you know that's kind of another another topic uh, you know the, the question of whether Michael described in Daniel and Revelation is is uh, and 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 uh, Jude uh, is Jesus um, and uh, and so that these are so so we know that there are different ranks regardless um, and uh, and we but, but but the primary thing that we know about angels is that they serve that they exist, and that they serve they serve God by serving God's people. Well, and of course, then we had the fallen angels. Uh, yeah. What what happened with the fallen angels? Was there a war in heaven? Was there what? I just, I can't, it, it's one of these things that is, I, I can't quite wrap my mind around. Why would one rebel against God? Yeah. Well, you have in Isaiah, um, uh, Isaiah talks about, he's, 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 he says this while he's talking about Babylon, and he refers to Babylon as Lucifer. Now, then the question is, okay, well, is he talking about the devil himself? And I would say he is, but he's personifying the devil in 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 the uh, cocky, arrogant Babylon. And uh, and uh, you know, he says that he 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 fell from heaven. Um, that he was he was proud, and he fell from heaven. Jesus says to his disciples that he saw Lucifer fall, he saw Satan fall from heaven. And so they're fallen angels. Um, and, uh, and so this would be, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 that's what we know about them. Um, that, you know, the, the, there, there's, there's, there's reason to believe that uh, Lucifer, which is, you know, you know this, uh, uh, this angel of light, right, um, would would have probably been a pretty high ranking one, but again, we don't know clearly 
how these ranks actually um, materialized. Uh, so, so that's uh, uh, and then any other demon would be a fallen angel. Um, and, and part of it too is, I mean, you can use simple logic too. You know, based on that, the you, know, you look at what the scriptures reveal about these angels, uh, about these fallen angels. But also look at the scriptures and say, or, or just kind of reason from the fact that, okay, who is the only creator? Through him, all things were made. Through Christ, all things were made. Who is the word of God? Um, so God is the only creator. And so the devil can't create things. He can't create angels. Um, and yet he is referred to as a father of lies, and even the father of those who lie, but not because he has begotten them and some physical way, because God's the only one who's actually created physical things, um, but that he has deceived them into following him. So Jesus even refers to those Jews who do not believe in him as children of the devil, um, who do the will of their father, who is the devil. And, uh, and so, th- so it would be, it would be the, a similar thing with the demons, um, with the fallen angels. And Jesus then explains in Luke 11, in a little bit more detail, kind of how they are, um, that they don't, that they need to find a host, and they will go into waterless places. So they just kind of going around the air until they find a host. And of course, you have you know the example of the um, of the uh, the legion of angels, which is uh, possessing that man, um, the, the Sea of Galilee, and uh, Gennesaret, and uh, begs Jesus to uh, cast him into uh, the pigs because they don't want to be, they need to have a host. And that's something that is made clear by Jesus and by the, the narratives in the, in, in the Gospels, that, that, that these, these, these evil spirits, these demons, are, um, that, that, that they, 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 are, they don't want to be just out on their own. They want to be controlling stuff. Interesting and, that and they were cast host. into pigs, which they would regard as unclean. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's kind of the, that's, you know, so Jesus is, uh, he's really making a statement there when he casts them into the pigs. The pigs, of course, are unclean. And Jesus then is is doing away with the unclean. You know, he's making purification for sins. And by doing that, he's conquering the power of the devil and his demons. Well, looking looking at the devil, you, you hear... Satan, Lucifer, Beelzebub, the devil. Are they yeah. one of the same person, or are they different? I've never been clear they on would, that. Um, yeah, so you got Satan, the devil, Lucifer, Beelzebub. Yeah, I would say they're the same, um, they're the same person, uh, because they're all identified as the, uh, as the head, or even the evil one. You know, uh, uh, in in the Lord's Prayer, Matthew's, uh, at least in Matthew's translation, um, or Matthew's version, um, and I think it's true of all the other ones, where it says, and deliver us from evil. You can also translate it as, deliver us from, it's probably more properly translated as, uh, deliver us from the evil one. Mm. Um, And that this would all be referring to the arch, you know, the the, the kind of the arch liar, the arch murderer, the, the arch demon of all of them, and then they identify Beelzebub as the, the lord of the, the demons. Um, so, 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 yeah, I think that that is, that we can draw the conclusion from how 
those different names are given and described, that they would all describe the same entity that we know as the devil. Now, what kind of power do angels have on earth? I remember, uh, you know, my mother, when I was a child, always talking about my guardian angel. And uh -huh. then we just talked about the demons who were, in, who were seeking to inhabit uh, bodies. What type of power do the angels, both good and bad, have here in this world? I think they have very great power. Um, of course, it's spiritual power. And, uh, and so we, you know, it's kind of hidden. Um, but one thing, though, that, uh, that the powers that they don't have, that I think that we can be pretty sure um, that they don't have, and we should clarify, is that they're not, they're not omnipresent. And they're not all-knowing either. I mean, they're much smarter than we are. They've been around a lot longer. Um, they've seen, many of them, I'm sure, have seen the face of God. You know, uh, how many, we don't know. Like, again, you know, not, not all the angels see the face of God. We know the cherubim in Isaiah 6 covered their faces before God. But then Jesus says that when he talks about guardian angels, he says that these little ones, that their angels see the face of God, um, which, uh, which re you know, remind us of um, in Esther, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the king, um, you, 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 there were... Uh, only certain people could see his face. And if you presume to see his face without being invited, then you would be killed. So there's, so, but anyway, the, the, um, so these, these demons, um, uh, they, the, their powers would be to deceive, um, to, uh, and, and thereby to murder. And, and, you know, you look at how the people were, were possessed, during the time of Christ, which you, what's interesting is that you don't really have many examples of demon possessions um, in the Bible until Christ comes around, which I think makes sense because, you know, God comes in the flesh, and here's kind of the real culmination of all things, and this is the devil's about to be cast out, and, you know, they're going to they're gonna be doing their last-ditch effort, you know. <laughs> so, but, but, but I think that they're, uh, and we could see their great power, in, in that, it's, it's described how that he would possess people and make them do terrible things. But I think that the greatest power that the devil and his demons have is um, aligning with the world. Jesus calls him the ruler of this world, um, and aligning with the world in the way that the world thinks and operates, and influencing minds. And I don't think that, the, that this isn't necessarily like possessed in a sort of un, you know irrational kind of way. But that he is, that he that, that he influences the way people think. I, th and, I think it's a subtle <clears throat> thing, oftentimes, you know, where you, you're faced with a temptation, uh -huh. and you know it is wrong, and you do it anyway. Yeah. But then I look yeah. at, at at cases, for example, that 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 crazy who shot up the uh, the uh, uh, that country, that, yeah, the Las Vegas shooter. Oh yeah, yeah. Or they can't find a motive for this guy. He just yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. And I yeah, that's, now that uh, that speaks to me of possession. Yeah, I know, and I you know I think I kind of agree um, because you know when we think of possession, we you know it's so it's romanticized um, by Hollywood, you know, with The Exorcist and all these exorcism movies, um, but also it's. Uh, you know, we I think need to remember that we live, we live in a world, <clears throat> an age where rational 
rationalism really wins the day. And that um, demon possession perhaps does not look exactly the same as it would maybe in other times. Interesting. Um, I hadn't thought and, of that. And, you know, so, so this guy that you mentioned, the, the, the shooter in, in, in Las Vegas, they can't find a motive. And, uh, and yet, and, and, and so you just, you wonder, you know, is he just possessed by a demon? And yeah, I would say even guys who you can maybe find a motive, well, still, the devil still is behind it. So, um, it's, uh, you know, there's, when I was younger, my brother James and I were sent to bed. We were like nine and eight. We were sent to bed, and uh, my brother said, we're going to watch a scary movie, so you guys got to go to bed. So so we went to bed, and my parents were gone. They were watching The Exorcist. Oh, gee. And uh, James wanted a drink of water, and uh, he went downstairs to get a drink of water, and all of a sudden I heard just um, this agonizing scream and cry and james is just flipping out um because he was apparently he walked in right when um during the really scary part and my brother david uh who is uh it's funny we're all pastors most of us are pastors now james is a pastor now and (laughs) david is too david's out in the dominican republic and david went and said james james you're baptized that can't happen to you and then he's like, okay. And then James comes up and starts talking about, you know, we're baptized, so this can't happen to us. And, and it was, it's true, you know, that you trust in the promise of your baptism, and uh, the devil cannot, cannot harm you. And yet, um, at the same time, I would say that the devil taking control of you, whether this is by um, an impulsive possession or by a deceit, uh, is... Yes, we trust in the promise of our baptism, but if we lose sight of who we are in, you know, uh, because of our baptism, then um, it's, you know, being possessed by the devil maybe isn't uh, our, 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 our big worry, you know, <laughs> or by, a, you know, being possessed by a demon maybe isn't our big worry. Maybe it's simply giving in to the sinful flesh, which is always in league with the devil and his angels. Well, Pastor, we got to take a break right now, but we've got a—I've got a couple of other questions, and we even have a, a listener who's emailed in some questions on angels. And uh, we'll be right back after this break. I think we're going to have some interesting things to talk about. Proverbs 27:17 tells us, Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. That's why weekday mornings at 8 a.m., two Missouri Synod pastors test their mettle against the Holy Scriptures, certain that not only will they come out better for it, but so will you. The sword of the Spirit is sharp to the touch, but you need practice wielding it. Check out Sharper Iron, 8 a.m., every weekday on Worldwide KFUO. You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living, breathing, one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart, to share your gifts in the service of others, 
to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. On the next adventure in Odyssey, Matthew takes on a new challenge at Odyssey Middle School. I can't believe I just signed up to run for student body president. Emily Jones is by his side. I'm going to be your campaign manager. But there's a wrinkle from his sister, Olivia. I'm going to be the next school president. Uh, I'm running too. Really? It's Parker versus Parker. Next time on Adventures in Odyssey. Saturday mornings at 8.30 on KFUO. Hi, I'm Pastor Ted Lesh, pastor at Chapel of the Cross Lutheran Church in North St. Louis County, inviting you to listen to our KFUO radio worship broadcasts on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. Active worship, preaching, music, and singing are part of every one of our services at Chapel. Join us Sunday nights at 6. It's one more broadcast worship opportunity for you from your friends at Chapel of the Cross and KFUO Radio. The word Tiffany brings to mind fine jewelry and decorative art. But at the turn of the 19th century, designer Louis Comfort Tiffany was known for his glasswork, especially his stained glass windows. Rich in meaning and symbolism, stained glass windows were often used in churches as a teaching tool for helping supplement reading the text of the Bible. Tiffany's innovations in multicolored glass images are particularly evident in his window portraits, Easter Morning and The Four Evangelists, originally installed in the Episcopal Church of the Epiphany in Orange, New Jersey. Tiffany was known for several unique techniques, including layering glass, in some cases four layers thick. These techniques took advantage of the movement of light through the layers for a magnificent result. Engage with the Bible in its impact over the centuries. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. Well, welcome back to Let's Talk the Pastors In. Guest pastor today is Pastor Andrew Price. We are talking right now about the nature of angels. And if you want to join in on a conversation, you can call us at area code 314-821-0850 in the St. Louis area or toll-free anywhere in North America at 1-800-730-2727. Also, you can email the program at Let's Talk at kfuo.org. And we do happen to have a, a question here from a uh, from a listener, Pastor. And she says, are the locusts in Revelation the fallen angels? And she actually quotes it from, uh, from the book of Revelation. When he opened the abyss, smoke rose like the smoke of a giant furnace. And the sun and sky were darkened by the smoke from the abyss. And out of the smoke, locusts came down on the earth and were given power like that of scorpions of the earth. Uh, well, you know that that what that brings to mind is the uh, the the account or prophecy in Joel of the locusts that come and uh, and uh, destroy the land, and of course in Revelation there we're we're, we're seeing you know visions of the uh, of the end times, and uh, and so would those be referring then kind of symbolically then to to fallen angels, um, I would I would say yes. I, I would I would think so. Um, since uh, 
since the you know the way that the, the that the earth will be destroyed is made clear in Second uh, Peter that it will be destroyed, consumed by fire, and that Jesus says that in you know that this will uh, that 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 he will come like a thief in the night, you know that judgment day will come like a thief in the night. So this idea that you know we have like this big event where a bunch of locusts come up and are eating everything, and then now we know Jesus is coming. No, Jesus will come. Um, as the lightning flashes from the east and the west. So I, I think if we interpret that according to the rest of what Scripture says about the end of the world, that it, would, that it makes sense that this, that this, uh, this locust, this, this uh, band of locusts, um, which, uh, which certainly brings to mind the actual uh, 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 locust uh, pestilence that God sent um, on the earth, uh, 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 as prophesied by by Joel, um, would be a, uh, a symbol for for the uh, for the angels of, of darkness um, deceiving people. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I think I think so. I mean, I'd have to consult other uh, uh, commentaries and see what they say. Um, but my first, you know, it's funny. I was just telling my Bible class we're going through the minor prophets right now, and. Um, people are suddenly asking more questions about Revelation, and and I said, I don't know, I've never read it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, but I, you know, I haven't taught on that yet. Yeah. Um, I would be interested, I'll have to, you know, I'm going to be on, in about a week, I'm going to be on uh, Sharper Iron with uh, Pastor Fisk, and I well, know he's fun. done a lot of work on, on that. I'll have to ask him. Actually, I'm going to see him on Sunday, because he's getting officially installed up at Rockford, and I'm planning on going to that. So I'll, I'll have to ask Pastor Fisk what he thinks. I know that he's done a lot of work on, on Revelation. He's taught on that. And um, But I would my first reaction, just based on what the rest of the Scriptures say about the end of the world, would be yes. To the, 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 I think that the, um, the listener is, is correct. That, that, that seems to be the, uh, the most reasonable interpretation, as far as I can tell at this point, that this is... Uh, and then the way that you see this, you know, the Re- Revelation also talks about the devil being un- unleashed on the earth, right, and deceiving mm-hmm. many, many people. And, and these are things that will happen in the last times. And, and, you know, then the question, you know, we were talking about this in the Bible class, and I was saying, well, okay, well, do we know that this is actually happening right now? Well, it might very well be happening right now. Maybe this is already going on, that many, many people are being deceived. So... You know, and I, it's interesting too. I mean, this is a little side, kind of a side comment, but um, you know, we uh, it's easy to despair over the, the 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 fact that the world is is dying and that less and less people believe. And um, on the one hand, we don't want to lose our optimism of God's word that it will still call those whom He has elected to Himself, um, and that it will accomplish what set out to do and we should expect um good things um from god and his word um and uh and at the same time we should not uh we should understand and this is really what this whole discussion on demons teaches us powers of darkness the devil being the ruler of this world we should never expect the world to all come around and uh really and everyone just believes because it's very clear that that's not going to happen this is you know that that, that the um, that the devil is unleashed, and that if you know we understand this correctly, that the uh, the locusts of hell come up and deceive and bring great darkness on the earth, and that this is all. But but also remember that this is God's judgment, 
um, it's, it's God's judgment on unbelief. And so it should teach us, on the one hand, to repent um, and uh, fear God, and also, tr- most importantly, trust in, in Christ that he has conquered all of these things. And that God is the one who, I mean, you think of locusts, I mean, look at the plagues of Egypt, you know, who is the, who's the one who sent them? God was. So if God is the one who sent them, then, and if God's the one who is actually controlling all this, then we do not need to be afraid of those who can kill the body but not the soul, but instead trust in God with fear, uh, with fear, but, 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 but with that firm trust that God will take care of us. It's, you know, I remember, uh, I was just listening to, uh, Pastor Brian Wolfmuller uh, talking about sanctification on issues, etc., and uh, he was he made a really interesting point that if someone is your enemy, um, he might do something seemingly nice for you, but if he's your enemy and you don't trust him, then you're going to just be suspicious. You know, you open the door for me, and I think, well, what what's on the other side? I mean, hmm. Or you give me money, and it's like, oh, what's the catch? Um, but if you know someone and you and you love and trust in someone, and even if he seems to do you wrong, um, you know that it's for your good. And uh, this is so when we when we consider this stuff of the you know the the, the the demons and the devil and his angels controlling controlling the world, the devil being the, the the ruler of this world, remember that it's only by God's permission that he's even allowed to do that in the first place. And this is the God who has cast out the ruler of this world by the death of his son. And we know God as our, our loving Father who forgives us and saves us from every evil. And so, so that's uh, kind of a side note. But, uh, but yeah, I think that the, the, the listener is, is uh, I would say that the listener is correct. Well, and, and especially when the, the verse notes that the, uh, the, the smoke came from the abyss. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah. We, we know the source of it. Yeah. Another thought that I had is where do we fit in with the scheme of angels? What happens you know, when, when we die? Our souls go to heaven or to hell? How do, yeah. we, how do we fit in? Oh, that's a good question. Um, Jesus says that we will be like the angels, but he explains what that means in that in that we are not given into marriage. And okay, that, I don't uh, understand that. Yeah, so that, well, the angels don't procreate, right? They don't have kids. Uh, they don't get married. And so when he says we'll be like the angels, he's simply making that point. We're not going to get married. Instead, we will be fully, we'll have our fulfillment totally in, in God. He will be our all in all. Christ will be our all in all. He will be our shepherd, our, our light, our shelter, and all that. And, um, and so that, so, so, but as far as like what, how we are compared to angels, then it would be that we are with the angels then, um, in the company of them praising God. And, uh, and that the goal of the angels is that we would be there with them. They want nothing more than to have us around. Um, there, I mean, picture the angels, the, you know, the good angels as those who are so excited to, that the, their their friends are coming over, and they're so excited to meet them, and uh, and that, that that these are these are really important people because their God, who they have served from the beginning of creation, has gone to uh, to uh, great lengths, infinite lengths, to save these people um, from sin and hell, and that that, that Christ has Himself prepared a place for these people, and so the angels are they're they're looking forward to meeting us and to uh 
and to being fully in our in our company, and uh, and that's what's motivating them is to uh, just a, a love of God to serve us. And so, so as far as you know, how are we how are we related to the angels, or how are we what's our relation to the angels, or our, our, our um, you know they, they're our friends, and they're our friends because they are God's friends. But they are yeah. creatures of the spirit, not of flesh. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, so, yeah. So, so what happens what with the resurrection when our bodies are reunited? Yeah, so we have glorified bodies, which, uh, which uh, you know, so our bodies will be raised and we will be united back with our souls and uh, have united bodies and uh, our glorified bodies. Uh, as Paul says that the... Uh, if there's a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. He explains this in First Corinthians 15. Um, okay, so what does that exactly does that mean? I don't think that we have a clear picture of what that is, mm. uh, but we know what we, what we know is that it will be just a full unity with God, um, and with that, that we would actually have the senses to even see angels, even though they're spirits. You know, this kind of uh, this this full fellowship. Um, and, uh, you know, there, obviously the scriptures are teaching that there are different realms of, uh, realms of, I guess, existence, or, you know, you have spiritual, you have natural. And, um, of, and of course, it says God will rebuild the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you get the, the promise from, uh, from the prophets, uh, uh, especially in, you know, near the end of Isaiah there, the, the new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem, um, and uh, and so there, you know, I think when we're in heaven, when we're united, you know, after the resurrection, we're united with our bodies and perfectly glorified. That we will have more senses than we could ever imagine with our limited, even sinful, um, corrupted senses now, and that we would have this full communication and fellowship with God, and therefore with with one another and with the angels. And so, I mean, I don't. Uh, you know, I, the, the, yeah, the, you're correct that they do not have um, physical uh, bodies. They take forms and appearances of physical people. We have the examples of that with, you know, the two angels who came with God who also took physical form with, with oh, Abraham yeah. and then, you know, with Lot. Um, you know, we have it with, uh, we have uh, the many the, uh, theophanies, as they call them, um, you know, the angel of the Lord. Uh, you got Gabriel. Uh, appearing to uh, to to Zechariah and uh, Mary, and the shepherds, and, of course, and the shepherds. Yep. And so, I mean, you have those appearances, um, and so you know, would we be able to see that which is spiritual? I, I would say yes. I mean, the scriptures say we see in part and we prophesy in part, but then we will fully see. We will fully know, just as we are now fully known. First um, Corinthians thirteen there. So. So yeah, I mean, I, there's, it's hard for us to really conceive of it, but just because they're not physical beings doesn't mean that they cannot be seen in a sense of, you know, with, with that, you know, doesn't mean that we won't be able to see them or at least be able to communicate in a very close way with them. Um, and, and but again, you know, who's going to be our all in all? God is, right? and the angels. The angels long to be with us simply because we are, we are of God, you know, and uh, yeah. and so we'll have that fellowship, and we do have it even now. Um, but God will be our all in all. So, uh, and what that will look like, well, I can't tell you. I haven't been there. 
but um but we do know that there will be no sin there will be no limitations to uh to have that full unity in the spirit um with uh with God and his angels and with the saints in heaven so but what's great though is like in the in the in the preface you know in the communion liturgy um it's it's a, it's a great it's a great comfort to know that uh we now here on earth join the the presence of the angels and all the company of heaven uh praising God what about the souls that are lost are they reunited with their bodies and then cast back down? What's what's going to happen to them? Are mm-hmm. they are they forever lost? Are they will they yeah. disappear or will they live in torment or what? Yeah, you know, I was just reading. Uh, <clears throat> uh, this would this would have been first Sunday after Trinity, uh, the uh, uh, in the one year lectionary um, where we we talk about or we we preach on uh, on uh, the rich man and Lazarus. And uh, I remember reading Luther's sermon on this, and Luther is describing the torment that um, that someone would have in hell before the resurrection. And Luther says that uh, that the torment is in conscience, something that we we even experience that to an extent even now. You know, we, we have our, our conscience, and it's stri- stricken with guilt. And that he would say that that torment would be first of conscience. And then at the resurrection, which is a terrible torment, um, and uh, then at the resurrection, then of course, all flesh shall rise, and those who have done good to everlasting uh, life, those who have done evil to everlasting condemnation, um, as Jesus says, and as we as we confess in the Athanasian Creed. And so, of course, there is this: uh, they will be reunited with their bodies, but then thrown back into into hell and i mean what that all entails whether they're just burned up right away then now they just suffer they don't really have their bodies anymore and they just are left with you know their tormented souls i don't know um that's uh that's something that i don't particularly like to think about yeah um, but uh <laughs> yeah but, <laughs> but it's a. Uh... And, and and the the uh, story of uh, the rich man and Lazarus, uh, the, the the rich man certainly indicated that there was a uh, thirst of nothing else. You remember we said just have him dip his his finger in water, uh-huh. and to and to wet my lips. So that certainly implies a a certain amount of physical torment. Well, it could also imply um, kind of a, a delusion in his in his soul. And in his mind, which of course you know, your mind is not—you can have your mind without having your physical brain, right? I mean, your soul is uh, your mind, your soul, your uh, your your consciousness, right? So that the, his conscience is uh, is so is so messed up um, that he is uh, um, thirst. He's still thirsting for physical things, for material things, and that, that's why I find it kind of mm-hmm. interesting about that is that he ch- always trusted in his material wealth and then when he's in hell and he doesn't even have his body you know he doesn't even have anything material anymore everything's lost and he wants what does he want he wants water he wants something material <laughs> he doesn't want the word he doesn't want to listen to to what uh to what abraham is saying and so you know that's uh yeah, it's a very scary thing too because it's uh, you know I, I I run into that sometimes when I I will be uh, 
I might be at a restaurant or something or, or, you know, just somewhere out, out and about. And I might talk to someone, especially when you talk to someone who has been drinking a lot and he's, you know, it doesn't, and, you know, he'll, he'll want to talk to you, you know, if you're, whether you're a pastor or a Christian or, you know, you might, you might come across those guys who want to talk to you, but they're so, and I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but, you know, you're in these people who are just, they're just not, they can't listen. They can't, I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll always get off track. They're always just kind of, they're, they're, they're just thinking about the wrong things. They're thinking about earthly things and how, you know, the, 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 how they're, you know, how they're going to get by in this world or whatever. And, 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 and when you try to kind of explain how Christ is involved here and what, you know, what the gospel and forgiveness of sins and our need for redemption and stuff like that, it's, it's really terrifying to see how they just can't listen. They just, they're just not. And I, and I, it, and I think that that is that kind of, um, that derision, that delusion, um, kind of a stupor, that it's described in the prophets as judgment from God, you know, that there's, it's really, this is, by the way, why we should avoid drunkenness, because that's uh. what it leads to. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just messing with your mind, you know, and I think that that's what's going on with this man in hell, this, this rich man in hell, is that yeah. he's drunk, you know, he's drunk, he's drunk on God's wrath, and he's so drunk that he doesn't know his pants from his shirt, you know, he, he he's just, he, he thinks that he needs water, and he doesn't even have a body. Well, and the other thing that it. strikes me about that passage is it implies that the damned can see the saved, and they can see what they've lost. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you know, and I've heard, I remember in seminary, we were taught that, you know, you can't, um, when it comes to parables, um, and of course there's a, there's debates on whether this actually is a parable, um, but, 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 uh, but regardless, you know, when it comes to parables, uh, you don't draw dogmatic conclusions um, purely based on analogies given in, in parables, or you know. The, 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 and so there's um, so now if it isn't a parable, then I guess you can you can draw more conclusions from it. But uh, but the you know this idea of being able to talk to other people from heaven uh, from you know from hell, talk to people in heaven. Uh, well, maybe there was that one time, you know, if this wasn't a parable and this actually happened, um, then maybe there is, uh, then that just happened one time, but we, we shouldn't, I don't think that we could draw the conclusion that there is uh, a communication, a regular communication going on. Although I, I do like what you said that, um, and I've heard that before that they're, uh, they see what they've lost and that there's this despair and uh, and uh, and also keep in mind what Abraham tells him that there's a great chasm between the great gulf that's fixed that those who can they cannot cross over from either side and so that's something that even if there is some type of um, you know communication or 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 sight or you know of what of, of what's on the other side that there's no way that they can in any real way. Constructive way uh, communicate um, with uh, with one another, and it was another thing that's interesting too is that Abraham he's not he never talks to Lazarus, and I think I think that in this Lazarus, and I think this is purposeful that Lazarus is not he's not even he's done he's at his rest he's got you know he there's no more there's nothing more for him to do he's at rest he's in the bosom of Abraham who which is Christ. You know, yes. he came from Abraham's bosom as Christ. So, 
you know, there's, uh, <clears throat> there, you know, there's, there's something interesting about that that Abraham does all the talking, and that as a patriarch, and and that's another interesting thing too. The question of okay, are there ranks in heaven even among the saints? Oh yeah, and um, and I think that that seems to be implied in the scriptures. There's uh, from the Psalms, you know, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than stand in the congregation of the wicked. You know that there's there is. Uh, there and the, the Augsburg Confession, you know, ta- or the Apology of the Augsburg Confession talks about how there are different differences in rewards, even spiritual rewards. Um, but of course, eternal life is is the same, um, and is and is not is not rewarded by our works, but only given by God's grace. The lowliest soul in in heaven will be more glorious and satisfied than the richest person on earth. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that's exact and that's the whole point. So so the scriptures don't go into lots of detail about uh, you know, Paul talks about and this is what the apology of the Oxford Confession is referring to, Paul talks about in First Corinthians uh, three, you know, that there's uh, some, you know, some some things will burn up and some you know, people will build on certain foundations of gold and silver and, and there'll be different differences in in uh in, in reaping um uh, those those uh, what they have sown. And, and so, okay, so you you have that, um, but like you said, that's the important thing: is that the lowliest soul, you know, even the least in the kingdom of God, are greater than the greatest man who's ever lived. And let's also remember that after the uh, crucifixion, Christ descended into hell, mm-hmm. and uh, that must have been mm-hmm. quite in quite a sight. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That, uh, a victory parade, if you will, uh, over yeah. over Satan, and and again uh, that that seeing to the lost souls who are already there what they have lost. Yeah, yeah. And what's also interesting too is that that Christ is preaching there to hell, and you would think I, mean, I almost imagine that that pre- that proclamation of Jesus still rings in hell today. Oh, it he, has went down to. To, he went down to hell, and he did it in that that moment, you know, in between his death and his resurrection. Um, but he, but that 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 proclamation is is. I mean, it's all, you can almost picture it like nailed to the walls. Um, you know that, that Christ has closed hell um, for all believers; that He has conquered sin, death, and hell, and that and that um, the people in hell don't trust it, right? And so this is something that uh, I know. There's I can't remember exactly how he explained it. But there's one pastor. Who was explaining kind of how, you know, that you know, responding to the the question of like, well, how, well, people who never heard, uh, what about them? And and um, basically, his his argument is that well, they they will, and they won't believe it. You know, all all flesh shall see the salvation of our God, and those who have been damned, they won't believe it. You know, if, if and uh, and that's uh, that so because. You know, unbelief is what damns, and uh, that's what we all have by nature. And um, so, I think you know, th- and that's where we just we a lot of this stuff we we really leave to to the to the judgment of God, and we understand that God is God is just, and uh, He desires all to be saved. Um, and He didn't even He didn't desire any of the devils to fall, any of the, the, the fallen angels to fall. But but God in His infinite, infinite wisdom will work all things out. Well, even Earth. Satan is God's servant. So, yeah, that's right. And of course, we know that Satan these these angels cannot be redeemed. That's probably another thing to cover in this discussion. They cannot be redeemed; only oh. humans. 
Well, Pastor, I'm sorry to say we are out of time. Uh, This has been a fascinating discussion. The more I do this program, the more I learn, the more I love it. You've been listening to Last Talk. The pastor is in, and today's guest pastor was Andrew Preuss of St. Paul and Holy Trinity Church up in Iowa, mild stomping grounds. And a pastor sits in with us uh, for a friendly chat every Friday about what's on our minds. Now, if you have a question or comment about the program, email it to us at letstalk at kfuo.org. I want to give out special thanks to the Reverend Fritz Bowie for letting us use his recording of All Glory, Lord, and Honor as the theme song for Let's Talk. The pastor is in. Pastor Bowie's music and books are available at Amazon.com. I'm your host, Kip Allen, wishing you God's blessings. listening to The Pastor Is In, a weekly chance to chat with a pastor. Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314-996-1518. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting The Pastor Is In on Worldwide KFUO.